Those videos have been pretty cool, huh? It makes me appreciate, I mean, obviously the parallels in each of them to what God's doing in our lives and the fact that God is the master craftsman and all those things and the glass blowing and in the clay and in the wood. I, this one, um, this is a lot like my dad and reminds me of my dad and just, anyway, I, I appreciate them and I appreciate uh, how they help us understand what God is doing in us that he is crafting a masterpiece. And I hope that's, that's what you've gleaned over these last few days. Has it, has it been a good, good week? Yeah, a lot of fun. Um, appreciate it again. Let's give it up for the band again. I, Kendall and Ryan and Eli. Um, I was telling them, I just appreciate their authenticity. And I, I, I don't know if you noticed, but there's times when Kendall kind of steps off and just lets you all sing. I mean, that's worship leading. Because she's, actually, y'all are worshiping and she's giving you space for that. So I really appreciate them and, and, and her. Um, did you, uh, seniors, how we doing? Did y'all have some like senior sunset kind of thing? Sunrise. What, sunrise, oh, sunset, that would be nighttime. Right, listen, as you get older, your brain just starts to like, tap out at times, and so, thank you, I appreciate that. So, sunrise, so is that pretty cool? Yeah, see the sun come up, beautiful, that's awesome. Um, all right, well, the school year's starting, or it started for you all, uh, and I don't know if you've had to take a quiz yet, but uh, we're gonna take our first quiz of the year together. Can we do this? All right, now listen, this is, this is easy. You're gonna answer these questions with no problem, but I just wanna make sure that we've been paying attention. All right, so here's the question. If I told you that I was a diehard San Francisco Giants fan, how would that be proven? Shout out some answers. My hat. Okay, I'm wearing a Giants hat. Woo! The screwdriver had the handle, right? I mean, it's what's in general. Like, what things would... I would know stuff about the team. Would I go to games? Yeah, I mean, right? Okay, so I'd prove that I was a Giants fan by actually like doing stuff and caring about them and being involved with Giants. Okay, if I told you, oh, by the way, can I just say something really fast on the whole Giants Dodgers thing? Uh, I love Brandon Lake. Okay, we just sang Gratitude. Like one of my favorite artists right now, Gratitude may be my favorite song that's out right now, right? Do you know what song I hate of Brandon Lake's? I'm glad you asked. Thanks for, thanks for asking. Uh, we praise you. And here's why, because in the song it says, we watch the Giants fall. So I yell out, we watch the Dodgers fall. It's, anyway, okay. So I, it's a great song, don't get me wrong. I love that song, but, but I have to sing Dodgers. Okay, anyway. Uh, if I told you that I was a huge country music fan, what would you expect of the music that I listen to? That I would listen to Morgan Walgan. You, Taylor Swift, you shut your mouth, no. <laughs> Morgan Wallen, yes. T-Swift, old T-Swift, all right, old T-Swift. Tim McGraw stuff, okay? Uh, if I told you that I loved playing disc golf, what would you expect me to do with some of my time? Play disc golf. Man, you guys are so good at this. You're gonna do so good this year in school. Uh, if I told you that I was a follower of Jesus, and that I wanted God to transform and recraft me, what would you expect me to do with my life? What would my life look like? And y'all are gonna go back down the hill. And here's the question that's before you for this year. Is those of you and most of you that have chosen to follow Jesus and given him your life, the question is what should your life look like if you're a follower of Jesus? 
Um, I want to read that Matthew passage that I read over you last night one more time just to set up the expectation for today. Matthew 16, 24 says, Then Jesus told his disciples, that's you all, by the way, that if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Turn uh, in your Bibles to 1 Peter 1.16. So if you've, it's over on the right side. And I want you to turn there. It's not a very long verse, but I kind of want you to read it. And if you've got something to highlight with or circle, I want you to circle this verse. 1 Peter 1.16, are you there? 1 Peter 1.16, uh, simply, you know what, before I read it, let me say this. I told you uh, several times that I quit my job recently, and I was meeting with a mentor of mine uh, through this process of, of quitting, and he was talking to me about what am I going to do next with my life, and I said, you know, honestly, I, I don't know right now, like, I just, I know I'm called to be a pastor, and he goes, whoa, 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 hang on a second, who said that? He said, here's the thing that I think you're struggling with is right now that you think about that, that your vocation that as a pastor that that's what your calling is. And he goes, no, 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 no. Your calling has nothing to do with your vocation. Your calling comes out of 1 Peter 1.16. And it says this. And, and Peter's quoting an Old Testament passage from Leviticus. And he says, for it is written, be holy because I am holy. And that was the reminder for me. That's my calling in life, and that's your calling in life, is to be holy, for I am holy. The word holy literally means perfect. Perfect. Darling, you look perfect tonight. That was terrible. Ed Sheeran. Did I get current-ish? Okay. Sorry. Uh, you're like, that was the worst Ed Sheeran impersonation I've ever heard in my life. Thank you. Um, listen, holy means to be perfect. And what my buddy was reminded me is that my purpose in life, my primary calling as a follower of Jesus is to be holy, is to pursue perfection, to pursue holiness. Now look, we talked about we're all sinners born into sin nature. We are gonna fail, we're gonna mess up. That's the beautiful thing about God's grace is that he forgives us. He longs to be that father who has his arms open wide and come and every single time, not looking at us in frustration or accusation, but running that we can run to him every single time. But it should be our pursuit as followers of Christ to be holy because God is holy. That's the expectation. I want to get back into our main passage, so now turn over to Ephesians 4. And Paul's going to kind of feather this out on exactly what does that look like. So Ephesians 4, we're going to pick up in verse 25 where we left off yesterday. Ephesians 4, verse 25. And again, remember, uh, Paul's just kind of rolled through this whole piece of, you know, talking about the old uh, has gone, the new has come. And then verse 25 says, therefore. Now, I'm sure your teachers and pastors have taught you this, but just as important as the word but is in the God, in, God, in the Bible, 
The word therefore is just as important, right? We ask the question, what's the therefore, therefore, all right? So he just alluded to this whole concept of becoming a new creation, and he says, therefore, having put away falsehood. Like, there's an expectation that you did that. Like, duh, you put away the falsehood. Let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. For we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such is good for building up as it fits the occasion, that it might give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. So what Paul's doing right here is, again, He talked about becoming a new creation, and he says, therefore, because you're a new creation, this is how your life should look, right? It's not full of sin on these things, and he starts to list kind of these things that probably the church in Ephesus was guilty of doing, and so he wanted to address that. He says things like, not letting corrupt talk come out of your mouth, don't steal, do honest work, don't be angry, be kind one to another, forgiving one another as Christ forgave you. Now, look. Those were things that the church specifically in Ephesus was dealing with. But I want you to think about if Paul was writing a letter to you and pulling out some of the stuff of maybe where your life's not matching what it looks like to be a follower of Christ, where, where those don't match. Maybe those pieces where you're straddling. Um, but the reality is you are a new creation. And so how, therefore, do we actually allow God to mold us and form us? So today, I kind of want to look at the practicality of that. Turn in your Bibles to John chapter 15. I know we're jumping a little bit, but I think it's important. Go to John 15. Not uh, far to the left, John chapter 15. Now before we read it, uh, I'm going to bring out a friend of mine who's going to help us understand John 15. So give a big round of applause for my friend Norman. Aha! This is Norman. Everyone say, hello, Norman. Hello. Uh, Norman goes with me a lot. Uh, He's been in very different forms. Norman is a uh, dwarf, a dwarf orange tree. So he is going to, at some point, go into the ground and produce beautiful, awesome dwarf oranges. Or no, he's a dwarf. He's going to produce oranges. Uh, And so he's going to help us understand something. And I want you to go, just real fast, go back to the whole identity piece that we were talking about. Because I want you to know a truth about uh, Norman. As a dwarf orange tree, he understands that that's exactly who God created him to be. You know what's cool about Norman is that he doesn't wish that he was a lemon tree or a grapefruit tree, or even a more popular brand of orange tree. And he recognizes that he's a dwarf. He's just a little guy. And he's okay with that because he knows that God has created him for purpose, just like you. And I just want to say this real fast. Look at me, because this is important. God created you with great purpose. He calls you as a masterpiece because of the work of Christ Jesus. And I need you to know, God doesn't make mistakes. He's perfect. He's holy. 
God does not make mistakes. So whatever it is that you look like, the gifts that you have, the skills that you have, everything that's in you that God is forming and creating, God does not make mistakes. You are exactly as God intended. And as we talked about in Ephesians 2.10, he has amazing plans for your life based on exactly how he's built you and created you. That's what Norman understands as well. So look at John 15. We're going to read verse 1. We're going to go all the way to 11. Hang with me. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you. And unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me... You can do, what's that say? Nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you will bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I kept my Father's commandments and abided in his love. These things I have spoken to you, and this is what's cool, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. What's the key word in that passage that we heard a lot of times starts with an A? Abide, abide. The word abide simply means to be with, to connect with in a unique way. Look, I know that life is hard for some of you all. And and I know that some of you know just how hard life can be. And Jesus is saying, listen, all I need you to be is just to abide in me, connect with me, let me work on you, be connected to me, and I got you. I think I said this the other day, and if I didn't, I'm sorry, but look, I want to assure you that living in a relationship connected with God, with Jesus Christ, doesn't always produce the easiest life. In fact, sometimes when we choose to abide in God and follow him, life will get harder. But it's always the best life. It's always the best life because that's where, as it said, that Our joy may be in Jesus and that our joy may be full. See, intimacy with God, a beautiful, joyful, awesome life on this earth starts and begins when we abide in God, when we connect with him, when we spend time with him. I remember being in college and I was uh, struggling feeling God's presence. You kind of got the path, like it kind of had this in my life in a lot of ways. And I was struggling and... And part of it, I I started, I was praying one day, and I said, God, why can't I feel your presence? Like, have you ever felt that way before? Like, have you ever said that? Like, God, how come I just can't feel your presence? Like, I I need to know that you're here. And I was super frustrated with God. And I was actually um, living down in Southern California at the time, and I'm driving down Beach Boulevard, headed down to Huntington Beach. And I, I was so mad at God, I pulled off to the side of the road. And I'm like, God, why don't you speak to me? Like, why don't I feel you? 
And I sat there for a second and it just like was fuming, mad at God. And for whatever reason, I just started to flip on the radio. I'm like, I'm gonna listen to some country music. I'm gonna get encouraged or something. I don't know what I was doing. And I flip it on, but instead somehow, I don't know how, but it had flipped to an AM radio station. Who listens to AM, right? And I flipped it over to AM and there was this pastor named Charles Stanley that was preaching on the broadcast. And I kid you not, this is the first words that he said out of his mouth. He said, are you not feeling connected to God? No? Then I can tell you right now, that's because you haven't been reading the word of God. And I'm like, oh, you, God, you got me. But he was right. Like Charles Stanley in three seconds nailed it and God flipped the, I did this crazy miraculous thing, but he was right. It was because in that moment, I was not taking time to abide in God. And that's the whole thing with Norman, right? Uh, God is the, 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 the root. He's the tree, right? And we're the branches. And at the end of the day, you know what happens if I snap a branch off, and I'm not going to do that to Norman because he's my buddy and I would never do that to him. But if a branch got snapped off of Norman, could it stay alive? No. It would die. The only way that these branches thrive is when they stay connected to the tree. The only way, and guys and girls, that's true with us. You want a joyful life full of true joy? Then you have to stay connected to your creator, the one who is crafting you. And those moments when you get away from him, you feel it. You know, like that's when you struggle. When we abide with God, that's when things get awesome and that's when joy is full. Again, it might get harder, but it's always better. I want to encourage you guys too that obviously the biggest way that we abide with God is getting into his word. I know this has been several, uh, said several times and you all know this truth already, but these are the literal words of God, the words of a, the creator who created all things, who breathed it into existence and he put things into his word so that we can read it and understand more about him and get to know Jesus like we talked about last night. Look, there's no better habit than you can start than getting into a regular habit of reading uh, with God. I was talking to the band uh, with Russell backstage that um, I posted on Facebook the other day. We went camping and um, I got up in the morning and to make coffee and get the fire started because uh, we were camping on the beach. And when I got up, all three of my boys were already up. They had already started the fire. They had started coffee. God bless them. Hallelujah. And they were all sitting there reading the Bible. One of them was actually uh, working in his journal and writing stuff. And I thought, oh man, this is awesome. Like my boys get the value of starting off their day in the word of God. There's no better habit that you can do. Um, one of the things I challenge a lot of my students uh, back at home is uh, this whole kind of bedside Bible deal. And, and, and what it is, is like read your Bible like if you want in your bed. And when you're done reading, leave it open to wherever it is that you've been reading and set it on your nightstand or whatever next to your bed, right? And then in the morning when you wake up, so that'd be the last thing that you do before you go to bed. And then in the morning when you wake up, it's already open to right where you were at. And that's the first thing you do. Like you get out the eye boogers and you grab your Bible and just, just abide with God. I, I guarantee, I promise I know this is true. If you start your day off, you start your mornings off by getting in the word, even for just a little bit, and just take a moment then to meditate and talk to God and say, God, what is it that I needed to learn from this? And here's a great question that you can ask off of that. 
is then you say, God, what do I need to do today? If you honestly ask God what you need to do today or what he needs you to do or what he wants you to do today, it will transform the way that you live your life. And that starts by abiding in his word. Um, and this is the lesson that, that's just really dug deep in for me over this last couple months. Um, I learned that not only do I really need to be abiding in the word, but um, I've been learning a lot about my prayer life. First uh, Thessalonians 5, uh, 17 says this. Does anybody know what that says offhand? Okay, that's fine. It says, pray continually. That's it. It's the whole verse. First Thessalonians 5, 17. Pray continually. We need to pray just to make it today. That's why we pray. Okay, some of you know that song. Okay, good. MC Hammer. I went back to old school with that. If you haven't listened to MC Hammer sing, we need to pray, like it will change your life. Maybe not, but uh, listen to it. It's super cool. Anyway, uh, Praying continually seems weird to me because how can I do that? Like, am I praying right now to God while I'm talking to you? That would be kind of weird. Like, hey, guys, how you doing? Hey, God. Hey, guys. Hey, God. I mean, the little schizophrenic right there. So what does it mean to pray continually? And, and so it kind of, like, it dawned on me on some stuff. Can God hear all of your thoughts? Yeah, right? We talked about this. When we pray, like we can just talk to God in our head and God hears our thoughts. So God can hear our thoughts, right? Because he's an, a, an omniscient God. Um, do you think that God only hears your thoughts when you dial him up on the phone? Like God doesn't hear our thoughts and then all of a sudden I say, dear Lord, and boom, all of a sudden God's listening to us. Is that how it works? No. No, no of course not. I want to let you in on a little secret that is just something I discovered, and I know I should have discovered this a long time ago, but it's really starting to sink in better, is this, is that when you're thinking, when you're, when you're thinking in your head, I want you to understand it's not just you thinking. It's actually a dialogue with God. The problem is, is you don't recognize that God's there. Am I making sense on that? So like, look, you're going through the grocery store and you're trying to figure out what cereal you want to buy. Uh, what's your favorite cereal, by the way? Plain Cheerios. Plain? What? Seriously? Somebody list me off a good cereal. Like, or something. Oh, oh, yeah. All right. Uh, Reese's Puffs is the correct answer, by the way. Reese's Puffs. Yes, it is. Okay, so I'm going through the aisle, and I'm looking at cereal, and here's the thing. You're thinking in your mind, should I get Reese's Puffs? Should I get plain, boring Cheerios? Should I get <laughs> Lucky Charms or whatever? Okay, here's the thing. You think you're just thinking in your head of what cereal you should get. But what's funny is you're actually dialoguing with God because he's there, because he's omnipresent. God is in your head. God is always there. He's everywhere at all times. God is processing with you what cereal you should buy. We just need to recognize, and what I think is really sunk in with me in a little bit different way is that it's always a dialogue with God. So I am weird now. I mean, I've always been weird, but I'm really weird now. I, I like talk to God about everything. Like I'm walking through and I'm picking the cereal and I'm like, hey God, what should we eat? What should we get for the kid? Like um, everything. I, I've been driving in the car and just knowing like, I'll turn off the radio and just, I just dialogue with God or I sing with God or I'm doing everything with God. I'm in the ultimate abiding and connecting with him. I got so weird the other day. 
I was driving down the road and I decided I'm gonna really take this to the next level and I actually buckled Jesus into the seat next to me. <laughs> and so I'm like talking, I'm like, hey Jesus, and then you know I'm talking, I'm like, I'm actually turning my head to him and I realized I was at a stoplight and I'm like turning my head and I'm like, you know, uh, Jesus, and all, sudden, and all of a sudden I look up and there's this lady that's staring at me <laughs> and she gives me the look. I'm like, and she peels off and takes off like I was some crazy person, which I was. But the cool thing was is I was so kind of proud of myself. And I even like, um, I, I do this like fist bump with God now. Like, I'm like, God, dude, that was awesome because that meant I was truly just abiding with you. Even as I was driving in the car, even as some lady thought I was crazy and off my rocker, like that's what it means to pray continuously is that your thoughts are not your thoughts that you take your thoughts captive and you make them a dialogue with God at all times. Listen, it's taking me a while to really get this rolling, but the more that I've done it, the more that, man, I just, every moment now, I don't think by myself, I dialogue with God on a constant basis. That's abiding in him. And it's amazing how less you sin, how less you get angry, how less you get jealous, how less anything else in sin when you're just constantly abiding with God, when you're constantly talking to him. Here's the other thing that's cool, is not only do we um, connect with God and get more joy, fullness of joy when we abide with God, but the results, and just like someone like Norman, what is Norman going to ultimately produce? What's gonna come from him? Oranges, right? Right, because he's an orange tree. Is lemons gonna come from him? No, okay, you guys are smart. Okay, so oranges are gonna come from him. Now. Again, if I snap off a branch, is that branch gonna produce any fruit? No. It only produces fruit when it stays connected to the vine. And this is the same with us. The only way that fruit truly gets uh, made and comes from us is if we're connected to the vine. Verse four says, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Joy apart from God is never, ever lasting. But the fruit created apart from God is never lasting. But when we abide, then fruit flows from our lives, real fruit. Now, obviously, this doesn't mean that a banana is going to grow from my armpit, okay? But fruit means this. Uh, look at Galatians 5 really quick. Actually, you know what? Don't, don't turn there because I don't know that we have time. But I'll read it for you real quick. Galatians 5 uh, says this, starting in verse 16. It says, but I say, walk by the spirit and you will not be gratified by the desires of the flesh. We read this uh, yesterday. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. And then um, Paul lists off some, some of the desires of the flesh. And then this is where it's cool. Verse 22, it says this, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ have been crucified the flesh, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Again, if we are a follower of Jesus and if we stay connected to the vine, there's an expectation in our life that fruit's gonna come from it. And fruit is not for the tree, Fruit is for the people that are around it, right? Norman is not gonna eat the orange that comes from his tree. I will. 
And that's the thing, is the fruit that comes to your life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. When that flows out of a relationship that you have with God, then it blesses other people. And that's ultimately what Jesus was talking about in Matthew chapter 15, verses 14 to 16. And he says, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but put it on a stand and it gives light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Man, your job is to shine bright the light of Christ unto others. Shine bright like a diamond. Shine bright like a diamond. Oh, no, yeah, oh, that's as far as I go. I think Rihanna, that's Rihanna, right? Yeah. Whew, it's close. All right, I want to finish with a song, like, uh, a song, I'm not going to sing. Um, listen, I want you to go away from this place and be connected to the vine. I want fruit to flow from you. I want you to have the best life possible, as it said in the end of John, that you may have joy and that your joy may be in fullness. Man, I, do you all want to have a joyful life? Yes. Man, that comes when we abide in the vine. Now, I want you, I'm gonna tell you one last story to know that I'm just not full of, full of it, um, that this really has lived out in my life. Um, I've been reading this book, by the way, and I was gonna refer to it a little bit more, but it's, I, I highly recommend it. It's called Living Fearless by Jamie Winship. All right, Living Fearless by Jamie Winship. This has... Um, just been one of the most awesome, outside of God's word, one of the most awesome books that I've ever written. And a lot of it in um, this book, it says, exchanging the lies of the world for the liberating truth of God. And in it, Winship really kind of lays out this, that when we fully live for God, when we truly abide in God, then what happens as a result is not only does joy and the fruits flow from our life, but we actually become fearless. Like he tells some really crazy stories and I'm not gonna tell them to you because I want you to re read the book if you can. But like just some awesome stuff where he's completely trusted God, completely given things over to God and therefore he literally has no fear because he knows that God's in control. It's just absolutely fantastic. And, and I wanted to tell you a story to finish about a time when, when I think I actually succeeded in this and I wasn't just up here telling you guys about it but I'm living this out in my life. Um, Back in 2000, there was this show that came out. I don't know if you heard of it. It's called American Idol. Oh, you've heard it? Oh, cool. All right, good. Um, so uh, American Idol came out. There was, I was living up in the Bay Area at the time, and there was a, uh, a, a honky-tonk bar um, that decided to start up their own kind of version of American Idol. And it was this big, like, country kind of, you know, thing where people went and danced and all this stuff. And so what they did was they did open auditions for anybody in, like, Northern California to come and, um, and, uh, and, and do this show just like American Idol. In fact, the place is called the Saddle Rack, and so they called it the Saddle Rack Idol. It's in Fremont, if anybody want to know. Anyway, so what they did was they opened it up to... Um, uh, anybody that wanted to come, they had you know, thousands of people come and audition, just kind of like American Idol. And then what they did was, is every Thursday night, you would go and you would sing just like American Idol, and they would play it on the country music radio stations in Northern California. So like 14 stations played it. And then callers would call in and, um, and vote for whoever they wanted to, and then it would, you know, just like American Idol. And, uh, and the winner 
got a year-long recording contract with Arista Records, right? Country music, radio, you got a recording contract. You would get to record your own original song that would play in rotation for a month in all of those radio stations in Northern California. And you got to, with that song, got to record an original music video that would play on CMT for a full week, back when CMT actually played music videos, okay? So... The guy who was my senior pastor at the time's like, hey, Chip, you love to sing country music. Go do it. And I'm like, no, no, no. He's like, no, do it. And I'm like, okay, f- fine. Like, this isn't going to go anywhere. So I went and auditioned. Y'all, I made the 12 that got to be on the show. How cool is that, right? Super cool. Don't clap. It's not that cool. Okay. So 12. Now, here's the deal. So for, for like seven months, no, it wasn't that long, for like six months, Every Thursday night, I went and I was a part of this show. And so the way that it worked was, is that then you would perform and then the next week everybody would come back and they would say how a voting went and they would eliminate somebody down. 12 went down to 11, I made the top 11. I made the top 10. I made nine, I made eight, I made seven, I made six, I made five, I made four. I am going to be a country music star. I can feel it. It was awesome. I made it down to the final three. And the way that they did it was the final night, like we had been singing multiple songs and singing with the house band. You know, Julianne Huff? Julianne? Julianne? Is that her? I got to sing with her up on the stage. Super cool. Anyway, I made it to the final three. All the voting came in for the final night. We show up for the final night. And... um, and they were going to have us sing, or they, they had one more set of voting, and they were going to have us sing three songs that night, and then they were going to do one, set la- one last set of voting. So I get up there, and I sing my first two songs, and then went off, and other people sang, and it was time for me to sing my song. And my last song that was going to get me the win, that was going to get me the contract, was going to be awesome. And I remember, they're like, hey, Chip, man, you sing this song by Buck Owens, Tiger by the Tail, better than anybody I've heard. you got to sing that song. And so I'm like, okay, we're going to sing Tiger by the Tail. I was ready to go. Like, here we go. And so about five minutes before I went back out with the band, God got a hold of my heart. And he said, no, that's not what I want you to do. And I literally felt this moment of like, what are you talking about? I'm about to be a country music star, God. Like, what are you talking about? Of course I have to go out and sing this song. He's like, no, that's not what I want you to do. I want you to sing a song about Jesus. I'm like, God, this is a honky-tonk bar full of people who are taking part in beverages that aren't making them think clearly. Like, this is a bad idea, God. Like, and they're not, and, and God, if I do that, there's no way I'm gonna win this competition. I gotta sing my best. And he's like, no, I want you to go out and sing this song about Jesus. I had to choose whether I was gonna trust God. Was I going to live fearlessly? And I, I turned around to the band, and I'm like, y'all, stay seated. I don't know what I'm doing, but God does. So I walked out on the stage, and I sang a cappella this song called Gonna Have a Little Talk with Jesus. And nothing super special about it. I mean, I think I sang it good. I think I even like, cut myself off like three quarters of the way. I don't remember. It was crazy. But... Here's the thing. I took second place in that competition. There were thousands and thousands of votes casted. I lost 
by five votes. Do you think that going out and singing that song about Jesus probably cost me the competition? Yeah, absolutely did. I'm going to be honest with you. It did. It did. Here's what was super cool. I sang that song. I walked off the stage going like, what did I just do, God? What did you have me do? And I walk off the stage, and this cowboy comes up. I mean, I think he had his spurs on still. He's like, and he walks up to me, and this I didn't do, the dude was probably like mid-50s, just grizzly, Marlboro man. Like this guy walks up to me and he's bawling in tears. And he's like, son, you don't understand. I was not going to come tonight, but I had this weird feeling that I was supposed to be here. I don't know why. He's like, I don't even know how much I believe in God, but I knew I was supposed to be here. And he's like, and he starts going off a gist of like, look, I'm supposed to talk to you. And that night, I got to lead that dude to Christ. Would I ever have had that opportunity to do that if I didn't trust God? No. Look, I'm going to be honest. When we abide in the vine, it is always the best. It's full of joy. But there are going to be times when God calls you out to do something crazy that doesn't make sense to the world. Live fearlessly, y'all. Don't be afraid to follow what God is calling to you because when we abide in him, when we trust him, when we spend time with him, and when we allow him to recreate us, to form us, to develop us into his heart, man, as Ephesians 2.10 says, that he's got some great things prepared advance for you to do. You are going to make a difference in the world. God will do amazing things in you when you trust him and follow his lead. You with me? Well, hey, I just want to say thank you guys so much for giving me the opportunity to come and hang out with you and share the word. It's been fun. Thank you for, for, for uh, being okay with my horrible songs and singing. Um, obviously, I can sing a little bit. So anyway, but that was not a good representation of it. Anyway, um, bow your heads with me and let's pray one last time together. Daddy, again, I, I, I pray over these students. And again, you know each and every one of their hearts. Um, I'm excited for them because I know that you have a plan for each and every one of them. Like you have some cool, cool stuff in their life planned. And my hope and my prayer is that they abide in you like, like Norman here. That they truly connect to you and they allow you to, to form and mold and, and even chisel the, the, the rough and, and, and sin away from their lives so that they can live fearlessly for you, that they can give you their all, that when you call them into something and even when it doesn't make sense, that they take a stand for you, that they're a light into their community and their world around them. Again, I'm excited for their lives and I'm excited for this upcoming school year. Do great things and then be glorified and honored through their lives so that others see what they do and want to praise you and give their lives to you as well. Thanks again just for a great week. Thank you for loving us first. Thank you for being that great father with loving and open arms to wrap us up every single time we come running home to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.